Welcome to the Fancy NASCAR Podcast. Let's prepare for Watkins Glen with another video. And in this video, let's look at the optimal lineup for Road America. You could look at Indianapolis because it's the most recent. I'm not going to. We might eventually get to that video at some point. But for this video, we'll do Road America. Hopefully, I'll do another video where I could probably look at, I don't know, Sonoma or Coda. Those aren't high on my list, but if there's time available this week, I will definitely try to get those videos out. But for now, let's just look at Road America. Again, Indianapolis, yeah, it's more recent, but if I'm looking at more of a high-speed, less technical road course, Road America is where I'm looking. But also, we know that Indianapolis with that crazy turn one is just a mayhem race. And so you could look, I'll put it on the screen, the Indianapolis optimal lineup. It's pretty ridiculous. It's not completely out there, but it is. It might as well be. I mean, it leaves a lot of money was left on the table at Indy. What do we have? 7,100 adding to the road course light or plate racing light. I don't know if I'll extend that completely to Sonoma or Watkins Glen, but definitely for Kota, definitely for the Indy GP and the Roval, these... I don't want to necessarily call them made-up road courses. They're not made-up road courses, but they are made-up, fake, false road courses when we talk about stock car racing. Stock car racing at Coda, really don't need it. It's just a marketing ploy, just getting to Texas, trying to take advantage of what F1 has established in Coda. That's all it is. Indy had just become so terrible with the Oval forever that they just had to do something. So it ended up on the road course there. And uh, well, what's the other? Coda, Indy, oh, the Roval. I mean, don't get me started on the Roval. Maybe it's fun to watch in the grandstands, be able to see all that different action. But you know, as a former North Carolinian, it's an absolute shame that we're not running the Oval twice in the season. Oh, it's another intermediate cookie-cutter track. It's Charlotte. We're running Kansas twice. Okay, if you're going to pick and choose which are going to be the intermediates, you got to run the Oval in the home and in the heart of NASCAR at the Oval Racing Sport. What are we doing? Anyway, well, that's what happens when you allow a family to run an organization and all of the decisions are not made by the best and the brightest. You look at every successful business in America, they hire, fight, compete for guys with the Harvard Business School degrees, the rocket scientists coming out of MIT, you name it. They are running the most successful businesses in America. They have the best leadership and management. And we're even seeing all the other sports teams and franchises and organizations following suit, except for NASCAR. Who does NASCAR end up putting in charge of everything? Whoever's nephew's next in line to the throne. It's the worst possible monarchy we have. You know, sometimes monarchies can work when you have intelligent people in control and you can overthrow poor monarchies. This one doesn't work that way. Ben Kennedy was a race car driver that couldn't hack it. And since he's next in line to the throne, now he's making all of the decisions. All the people in charge of NASCAR making this family. What are you doing? Anyway, that's a rant. Let's go into Road America. Sorry. Sorry about that. You know it's the truth. Terrible way to run a business. 
got to bring in some new ideas, got to bring in some talented people. Or at least you have to take your family and train them and educate them. You know, if you are going to hand it over to the little boy or the nephew, you might want to have invested in getting that little boy or that nephew or that grandchild an education and then training them to eventually take over the throne one day. None of that happened in NASCAR. They just toss it on to the next person that has the closest enough genetic material. Oh, okay, well, I checked the DNA. You got 50% of my blood in you, boy. You can make the decision. We're going to go road coursing in Chicago. What? Yeah, road course racing in Chicago. More road, more road, more road, more road. Uh, have you been watching these road courses? Not very good. More, 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 more. Because we're going to go to Chicago. Is Chicago like this great place to be? Last time I checked, Chicago is one of those cities that's not really on the up and up. You know, it's funny is NASCAR is fleeing the South while every other industry and every other American is coming to the South. And yet what has NASCAR done in the last 5, 10, 15? They try to get out of the South. Again, only NASCAR executives and management would do that. Now they're looking back, oh, wait a second. We pulled out of the South, and now everybody's in the South, and here we are going to Chicago while everyone is leaving Chicago. NASCAR's jumping around like, we're going to Chicago. We're in Chicago. No one cares. It's a dying city. Yeah, it's got a lot of people, but there's no glitz and glamour to Chicago. No one cares about Chicago. When are you ever hearing about, oh, Chicago's the place to be? Yeah, if you want to get murdered... If you want to be run by a terrible government with a terrible school system where people complain and live in 17 feet of snow and the city's falling apart, Chicago's place being NASCAR, LA's the same thing. We went to LA. Yeah, you did. You're weaving in and out of Skid Row. I mean, next year they're probably gonna it's gonna be tents alongside the track. You know, no, no, no. Those tents on Pit Road, those aren't makeshift garages that's actually living situations yeah yeah the needles aren't for tires they're for your veins what are we doing all right road america it's gonna happen you know it's gonna have road america let's look at the optimal lineup and let's see if we can find some sort of construction that will help us build the winning lineup at watkins Glen. all right road america who we got we got chase Elliott scoring the most points we got tyler reddick scoring the Second most points, both were your hogs, fast laps, lap leaders, dominators, if you will. Kill the name, I don't care. Kevin Harvick, next on the board, underpriced because he was on a bit of a cold streak, but he was giving you a bunch of place differential. He finished in a lot better spot. That's worth reviewing. We want to see, you know, was he just out there cruising along in stage one and stage two and finally turns it on in stage three? Was he able to make passes? I believe we said in the previous video that he was able to make passes. And I think I've gone through the data. Again, this data can be missed. I tweeted this out. I tweeted this out a couple weeks ago after Road America, before the Indianapolis GP, that when we talk about just raw spots gained throughout a run, and again, you may need to take this with a grain of salt because we've got pit cycling and things get switched around, and it's you know kind of tough to trace this data point. And what I'm doing here is, for example, where did you start in stage one? Where did you finish in stage one? Where did you start? Where did you finish? Now, it's very hard to do this because of pit cycling. It can get skewed. I apologize. The best thing before you look at this data point in the Fantasy NASCAR spreadsheet, which you can get at racefortheprize.com, click on that red box at the top right of your screen that says Brandon Cruz 
DFS. That'll take you to patreon.com slash Brandon Cruz DFS. Again, that's patreon.com slash Brandon Cruz DFS. If you support the work and information and appreciate it, throw some money our way and we will throw the sheets your way. And if you use this sheet and you see these numbers before you really like, oh, this guy gained X amount of spots. This guy's been gaining a lot of spots on his runs. You would want to cross-reference it and look at the specific laps. I try to do my best to synthesize the information of who's gaining spots on a run, but it's really just not that easy to do. If anything, it at least kind of highlights or alerts you to the possibility that a guy is gaining spots. And after Code America, Code America, Road America, sounds like an Avengers movie, Code America. Endgame for NASCAR. So if I try to see spots gained, Eric Jones has gained 47 spots overall. You can see on his first run at Road America, he lost six spots. He gains 11 spots. He gains, he loses six spots. Again, I can't overemphasize this enough. There's a lot of shenanigans and tricks that are played at these road courses that make some of these data points a little out there. So please cross-reference it. But before Road America, Kevin Harvick had gained 24. His numbers dropped down a lot because he had a bad go at Indianapolis, but that's because he got into the wreck with William Byron, or was it Alex Bowman? I can't remember off the top of my head. Either way, he had gained a lot of spots. You really want to look into those. And if I remember correctly, he did run pretty well pushing this. This spreadsheet is so massive. It is pushing this tiny little Chromebook to the limit. I've seen that. MacBooks are the best. It's strange. I never thought that MacBooks would be able to process the Google Sheets the best. But in my experience, souped up Windows computer versus just a regular old MacBook Air. The MacBook Air, bam, 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 is really good with Sheets. Windows computer is fine. Chromebook is fine as well. It's just that this spreadsheet in particular that you can get at RaceForThePrice.com is stuffed with so much data. There you go. You can see the Kevin Harvick information in front of you in terms of runs. If you look at Road America, gains 10 spots, 2 spots, 4 spots. Not perfect data. You'll want to cross-reference that on your own. But if you're just trying to quickly get an idea, there that is. I hope that I'm not trying to hedge. I'm just trying to help you out. That in synthesizing, sometimes things get skewed and may not necessarily accurately represent what is going on. Going back to our optimal lineup again to help us out with our construction. Daniel Suarez, fourth player in in terms of most points. He was, I would argue, significantly underpriced considering he was coming off a win at Sonoma and the track house cars had been lights out at the road courses. 12 place differential points to take that. Busher, also way underpriced. If you don't know, he is a very good road course racer. The RFK equipment appears to be getting better every single week. Looked very solid at Richmond. That was very surprising. I mean, that's incredibly surprising, given that Richmond may have been, going into that race, one of his worst tracks. Now, Richmond, in the past, was one of Brad Kozlowski's best tracks. I don't know how many people Brad Kozlowski brought into RFK from the outside, who he had worked with before or if it's just Brad Kozlowski. Either way, I don't think that it's some sort of coincidence that Brad Leaves Penske comes over to RFK 
and they seem to have run really well at Richmond in the spring race and now in the fall race, whereas in previous seasons, Roush Fenway, never a contender. I said it during the podcast, 2017 was the last time that Chris Buescher had a top 20 finish at Richmond. He got a 13th place finish in the spring, if I'm not mistaken, and then he was running really well fall race. And then you got Stenhouse that gets up here, 14th place differential points, finishes 19th. You know, just a guy starting 33rd at 6,900. Yeah, that doesn't necessarily mean that he was good at Road America. We'll look at the dat- laps, but it's clear that you've got two hogs, and then you got place differential guys. So we'll look at that. Uh, before we do, we might as well go back and look at Sonoma optimal lineup from last season, see if we see a similar pattern where you have two, you got the one and two guys, the two hogs, in the uh, four-place differential. Let's see. Now, remember, there was no qualifying last season, so this might have messed things up a little bit. Just look at this, and then we'll jump back to Road America, maybe look at some practice data as well. Your optimal lineup last season at Watkins Glen was Kyle Larson, number one hog and race winner, Martin Truex, and Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott does not fit in. You have to go step down. With Martin Trix Jr. is actually in it because he's just a little bit cheaper, and we max out with a 50k salary. That's fine. Um, two hogs, you couldn't get three. And even more significant here was not only could you not get three, but you actually couldn't get the number one and number two. And salaries weren't that tight. Ten thousand two hundred, ten thousand six hundred, ten thousand four hundred at least at the top. Those are not very expensive drivers, and you still could only get two, and you really couldn't even get number one and number two. You had to settle. Now, there's not much of a point differential here. When we're talking about 0.45, either way, we probably could argue that's a tie. Let's look at the other two drivers, Chase Briscoe, Denny Hamlin. Chase Briscoe, optimal lineup, number three in, 8,300, very similar to that Kevin Harvick play. 18-place differential, very similar to that Kevin Harvick play, also an SHR car like Kevin Harvick, also a strong road course racer like Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin. He was your early leader. Maybe he was the middle of the race leader. I'd look up, but you do have a quasi-hog here, not super expensive. It's a solid finish. Interesting. We've got one, two, three, four drivers picking off fast laps and last lead points. That might be a trend that you want to dive into. That might be a trend that we dive into later this week if we want to go through 2021. Did they race? They didn't race a walking spin in 2020. We got 2019. 2019, 2018, 2017, getting into the era of the Harvick Truex domination days at the road course. Might not need to go that far back. But the patterns and the trends should be the same. The track hasn't really changed much. Driving is the same. The laps are about the same, other than the year where they added the boot. So I don't mind. You can go back as far as you want with Watkins Glen trains. Bell shaving off some fast laps. All right, and then we've got Austin Dillon and Anthony Alfredo as our cheapies. Where does Dillon come in? He scores the 15th most fantasy points. Starts 16th, finishes 15th, and he's just there. He's cheap. He's just the way that you have to go. Not a terrible race. 
but not a place different. Rental guy. Just a value. Gets 29 points. And then Alfredo scores the 20th most fantasy points. 21st. Not even top 20. Just a straight punt. Started 31st. Finishes 26th. 21 points. He's there just because you've got to spend up on three guys. You're spending up on Larson. You're spending up on Truex. You're spending up on Hamlin. Briscoe's not too expensive. And then you basically, I mean, you can call Dylan. Dylan's not really a punt. Maybe he is a punt. Either way, he was 6,100 and a 5,600 guy. Two really cheap guys. Got to be careful, though, because remember, we didn't have qualifying, so that set the grid in a significantly different way. Let's go back to Road America. Let's look at the optimal lineup, piece together, and see if there was something that we could have figured out beforehand. And we'll go back, and what we'll look at is the what they did in practice. Maybe that'll help you a little bit. So Chase Elliott and Tyler Reddick, one and two, number one and two hogs. And I talked about this in the previous video, and I want to make sure I go over it again. Does his practice correlate? Yeah, Reddick absolutely checks the boxes. He's got the P1 rank. He's got the five-lap average rank. He's got the best four laps overall rank, which I create and I go by. Just gives you another view. Again, what this is is because not everybody's going to run five in a row, because five in a row can, you know, you could have four really good laps and then just one all I ran into traffic, and then all of a sudden you're down to 20th on the average. So what I've done is I cut one lap off just so that I can include more drivers. I'll pick and choose how it's going to go. It depends on the length of the track, how many laps they're running. For this race in particular, I picked four laps and said, let me see your four best laps. Let me see the four times you went out there and were great in and off and through the apex and nailing your marks the best that you could. I'll take those four laps, I'll average them, and I'll compare them against each other. Just another data point to look at. There's your five lap average. That's just your best lap overall. So people might argue, Chase Elliott didn't really look all that great at Road America. That's true. Did he lay down one hot lap? No, he did not. Did he lay down five really good laps together? No, he did not. Four laps. It doesn't get any better. Average overall, which is a really misleading stat, especially at a road course where we could be calculating in warm-up laps and slow-down laps. Kind of a worthless data point right there, at least from my understanding. But here is the kicker, guys. And I said this in the video, and I'll say it again because maybe you didn't watch the last video. At a road course, you can look at practice, but honestly, if I had to choose, yeah, this is not even debatable for me. If you made me choose which data point do I care more about, practice laps at Road America or qualifying laps? Practice laps are practice. They don't count anything. Winning practice does not give you points. Winning practice does not mean anything. I'm not out here trying to be the best at exercising, although I say that as I walk on a treadmill and record a dungeon podcast. Maybe I could be good at exercising. I don't know, but they don't give awards for that. They might give you a blue ribbon, which my son got a blue ribbon the other day at the Kitty Tractor Bowl at Church Fest in Fort Jennings. He went six feet. Woo! It's not very far, but... You put him in one of those little kitty tractors and he's got to pull like 20 pounds. I was surprised he was even able to get the, get the thing move. <laughs> he's three years old. You can't really 
He's like pushing with all of his weight, trying to push the damn pedals. And I'm watching beside and I can feel myself pushing the ground down as I am vicariously trying to push the pedals for him. And as I look, as I thrust my feet into the pavement, I say, what the hell am I doing? What is wrong with me? He got six feet. He got the blue ribbon. That's what you get when you win practice. The laps don't matter. You know when the laps do matter? Qualifying. And when Chase Elliott had to show speed and when Chase Elliott had to master entry and exit and go perfectly through the apex and fly down the straight stretches and through the S-curves, yeah, he seemed to have managed to get out of round one. And then in round two against the best of the best, uh, he laid on the fastest lap here. So, look, after that, if you were watching practice and you watched qualifying, would you then say, he doesn't know what he's doing? Or would you say, it looks like he's probably figured it out and they're going to be fine? I did have a steering issue during the race, which surprised the broadcast team thinking, that, well, if why he had to have had this problem yesterday. Why is he complaining about it now? Shouldn't they have realized it? Maybe they did, and they just weren't as vocal about it. Either way, he was fast before the race, and he ends up in the optimal lineup. All right, let's go back to our other two here in the optimal lineup at Road America. Harvick and Suarez end up in the optimal lineup. They do not run well in qualifying. And actually, Suarez wasn't terrible, but it's much lower than what you would expect considering how well he runs. I mean, rating rate sixth. It means he had the sixth highest driver rating. It means he's fast. That means he's running up inside the top ten and the top five. Harvick, less consistent. We'll look at those laps in a second. Let's go to Suarez first. How did Suarez look in the Road America practice? He ends up being optimal. Gets a bunch of place differential points. Yes, he doesn't check the qualifying box. That's a concern. He's 17th, which means he may have been just on the outside of the cut line. He could have been placed in a tough group. He just wasn't one of the five fastest in his round. Maybe he just slid and missed out. You sound like you're making excuses. Could be... I could be doing a little bit of revisionist history here. I don't know, but that's definitely a strong possibility. We look at his practice times, pretty solid practice times. And then the tiebreaker for me would be, uh, how's he running at the road course? Oh, I don't know. Gee, he just won at Sonoma. So, yeah. Does he check all three? No. And messing up the qualifying definitely hurts because that's the one I definitely want to see. But one of the things that I could have done, I'm not going to do this now, but you can do, I put this in the spreadsheet. I don't know if I put it in the Road America spreadsheet. Well, it might be in the Road America spreadsheet. It's not in the Watkins Good spreadsheet. But I'll show, like, Group A versus Group B, and then you can see. And if you watch it with your eyes, I can't remember exactly Road America qualifying right now, but you'll have an idea of, like, yeah, he's fast. He just missed it. So don't hold that 17 too much against him. We would have known. These all check, current form checks. To see him in the optimal lineup, especially at 7,700, not a surprise to me. So looking forward at Watkins Glen so far, I want the fast cars in practice slash qualifying with the track position. They're going to lead laps and run fast laps. I need at least two of those in my lineup. And then right now it's looking like the place differential guys, they need to have somewhat of a good car in practice slash qualifying and current four. Let's double check what the story is with Kevin Harvick. So Kevin Harvick's in the optimal lineup. What was Kevin Harvick doing in practice? So he got the bad qualifying run. I would like to see what exactly happened there. Did he make some huge mistake? 
I'm sure there is a story to be explained. Practice, not good, not good. So all of that doesn't check out. That's just a wing and a prayer at this point. If you're watching Kevin Harvick because he's Kevin Harvick, he is an affordable Kevin Harvick, but he wasn't really an affordable Kevin Harvick based on anything else. Hmm, let's look at his laps. But before his laps, let's see what was his real rating. I can, well, this will probably show up. So heading into that race. No, 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 that's not the one I want. Well, I can just go now. Let's see. What was his real rating at Coda and at Sonoma for Mr. Harvick? So, before Road America, he had just scored a 91 real rating at Sonoma, which, remember, that is a comprehensive synthesis of their laps. Top 5, top 10, top 15. So, you can't really cheat that. You can't fluke that. That is a very strong performance at Sonoma. Not so great at Coda, but I'm not worried about Coda. Coda is Coda. He was taking a step forward. Not really good at Road America, but he gets the points that matter. Let's look at that run. Um, and because maybe we're going to have to roster a guy that we don't really like. And we just hope that the race plays out their way or they figure out the setup throughout the race. I don't really know. I hate that. I mean, I would love for us to say, all right, give me my two halts. And then my place differential guys, they all have to be really good in practice slash qualifying. That would be nice. But it looks like, as always, there's going to be some random guys that get into these lineups. Harvick starts in the back. Nothing in the first run. Goes nowhere. Maybe that's part of the plan. Falls back here in stage two at Road America. But through pit cycling, he gets to restart 14th. It doesn't look like he's making any gains. I think he just simply pit cycled to 16th. Lost spots. Pit cycles again. Restarts 14th. So not really fast. Not really doing anything. But he doesn't have to be because of the stupid stage racing that exists in road courses. Whatever. Don't go on that rant. Don't go on that rant. Don't go on that rant. If anything, Kevin Harvick just knew what he was going to do. Waits to stage three, decent track position, gains a couple spots. We pit, we come out, and he ends up finishing 10th. He gains a ton of spots, and it appears that almost all of these spots were gained simply by, I'll just pit at this time, I'll gain eight spots on pit road, and then I'll just hold my position. I'll just pit before the end of the stage, I'll gain seven more spots, and then I'll just hold my position. It doesn't appear to me that at any point in this race is he ever passing anyone or making any moves, or just spread out, he's out there just, you know, having a nice, calm Sunday afternoon drive, which you can get away with. You can definitely get away with that. So that means you can roster a guy that's not very good that's simply starting in the back. Yikes. But, hey, that's good. Volatility adds to more randomness, different winning lineups, different approaches. This is just a one sample size, by the way. But we're looking at what happened, what worked at Road America, and – so if there's any takeaway here, it's that, and we all know this to be true, most of the passes that are made at these road courses are made on pit road. And if you just pit cycle correctly and play the game that way, you're going to get 10, 15, 20 spots, 10 spots. And if you're starting in the back and you're affordable, well, then why not? 
well, he wasn't fast in practice. Yeah, but you don't have to be fast in practice to gain fake spots on pit road. Yeah, but his five-lap average wasn't good. Again, it doesn't matter. Harvick didn't have a fast car. He didn't have a winning race car. He had two things. One, he was starting in the back. And two, he was committed to, I'm just going to take the pit cycle points and then just not get passed. That's all I had to do. It really opens the door to anyone. It really opens the door to any and every play, if that can happen. When you're building your Watkins Glen lineup, before you basically pledge your allegiance to qualifying data or pledge your allegiance to practice four lap average, while those are good leading indicators and will likely be predictive of four or maybe five spots in the optimal lineup, I don't believe that it's unsafe to say that one of the guys in the optimal lineup doesn't belong there based on skill or car. And it's very possible that two of the drivers that are in the optimal lineup are not the best car on Sunday. They're not very fast at Watkins Glen. The driver is not very skillful. It's simply that the driver started in the back and then just pit before the end of a stage. Whereas we could see a lot of guys staying out because they're in desperate need of points. And that might open the door to even more outlier performances. I'm not really outlier performances, but guys in the optimal lineup that are not good because they don't need the points. Not making the playoffs. I don't need to stay out. I'll take the five points. Chase Briscoe, see you. You can go ahead and go back to the back because you need points. Alex Bowman, all right, yeah, you're in desperate need of points and you can get eliminated. Yeah, you got to stay out each stage. Awesome. I'll take those spots. And when we start stage three, I'm starting inside the top 15. I haven't passed anyone all day. I look like a mess during practice and in qualifying. But now I'm starting 15th, and I'm just going to kind of hold my position and hold my breath, and everything's going to work out. So it goes. Last guy to look at in our optimal from the spring, or we got two more. Busher and Stenhouse. Busher starts seventh, runs inside the front. He was cheap. Uh, we'll look at the end. So let's look at Busher real quick. I would imagine that he, well, obviously he got a good qualifying position, so that box is pretty much already checked. Fast one lap. Not good on a five lap average. But his four lap average is much better. Like I pointed out, you may have four blazing fast laps, but along that five lap run, you may have just slowed down or did whatever. So the average of those five laps is going to look terrible. 5, 10, 15, 20 guy doesn't want to hear that. 5 lap, 10 lap, 15 lap, 20 lap spreadsheet guy doesn't want to hear that. They don't want you to tell you that. They want you to believe in their sheet. They want you to believe in their data. And it's fine and it's okay. And it's good enough for whatever. It isn't good enough for me. It isn't good enough for my subscribers. It isn't good enough for the people who put into my Patreon. I'm always trying to find a better way to take the raw data and organize it and synthesize it so that it helps you build better fantasy lineups so that you have an advantage, so that you have an edge. It's clear. And right there, it is clear. Everyone else is using 5, 10, 15, 20. Oh, I don't know about Chris Busher. Now, hopefully, those Spreadsheet providers are honest with their consumers. And hopefully those consumers are intelligent enough to know that, oh, yeah, an average can be skewed. It's an average. Maybe they're doing medians. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what anyone's doing. But you look at this number, 
much better. You look at the qualifying number, it's there. Not a surprise to see him finish up towards the front. And it's not a surprise to see him able to score enough points that it works at his price point. If he's 7,300, he probably doesn't make it into the optimum lineup. But at 63, he makes it. Where did McDowell finish that race? Because McDowell was a little bit more expensive, very equal in all of the data points that we see. Again, here's another example. McDowell didn't run five in a row, so you don't have data there. Well, if I take four of his best, it gives you another piece of the puzzle. I think the people that use the spreadsheet take this for granted that, oh, yeah, I can see this. Other people can't see these things. Other people don't have this additional information to help them build lineups. They just see a blank spot for McDowell. Like, well, I wonder if he's fast. I don't know. Help me. I will help you. Go to racefortheprize.com. Click on that red box. There's a helmet. Patreon.com slash Brady Cruz DFS. Be a contributor. Be a subscriber. Maybe you want to wait till next month. I completely understand. You want to wait and get in on September because it's already halfway through August and you're just that austere. You, my frugal friend. Maybe making a wise choice. Maybe not. But what you can do, if you'll open up your pocket a little bit, you go and watch the Watkins Glen live streams. Maybe I'll, I'm not going to make an appearance this week. But maybe in the future. But you can watch Brandon and you can pitch in and say, hey, I want to throw in a super chat. Make sure you're sharing this with the dude making all these videos. So what did McDowell do? He finished eighth significantly down the chart. He is not in the open lineup. Although it is at 5X. Got to move forward. Tight. It's close. It's tough. I understand. Like, I'm going to pull the trigger on Busher. I understand. I'm going to pull the trigger on Michael Bedell. Get it. Got it. All right. What about Stenhouse? Did Stenhouse pull the old Harvick here and just cycle up? I mean, if I had to guess, if you had to guess, what do you think? Was Stenhouse fast in practice at Road America? I'm putting a big fat. Yeah, right. Let's see. I mean, First clue is that he didn't qualify very well, so probably didn't practice very well. Starts 33rd, practice-wise 27, 18, 26, not good. Under any metric, you go through his lap-by-lap data. If we were in Road America and at Watkins Glen, you could do that as well for this weekend. But you don't have any confidence in Ricky Snass Jr. heading into this race. So how does he get his spots? They pull Harvick, just cruising in the back, takes his pit cycling, and then cashes it in at the end of the day. That's what I'm going to guess. Price does the same thing. Yeah, cruising in the back. Oh, that's pit cycle. All right, I'm going to start now in 18th. I had a 32nd place car. I now get to start 18th. Awesome racing. Awesome product you have created here, NASCAR. Get rid of the stages. Hashtag kill the stages. Please. Who likes this? Who? No one can defend this. If it's if it makes it exciting, it is artificial. God. All right, so he cycles up and then goes nowhere. Actually drops to 27th on this run. Cycles again. He gets to start stage three in 19th place. Cruises up to the front. Everybody's pitting. He pits. Comes back out in around 18th and 19th place. The same spot that he inherited, not by passing a car, just by pitting it into the two stages. And he finishes 19th. Wow. 
Um, not sure that Stenhouse passed one car during the entire race. He started 33rd, pit cycles, grab spots. Goes out there, cruises, pit cycles, grab spots. Runs the race to the end. All right, I'll take my top 20. I'll see you later. Takeaway here, guys. You got four drivers that were really good. And then you got two that just played the game. And maybe we will go through some more road course optimal lineups in the future. And maybe we'll see a pattern of, all right, you got three or four guys that were really fast and check all the boxes. And then you got two or three drivers that just played the game. I would like to see how many times that's hit in stage racing at the road courses. Thanks for joining me. Raceforthepriz.com. Patreon.com slash Brandon Cruz DFS. Probably never going to get a job in NASCAR. France family does not like me too much. I wouldn't like me either. You guys don't like me too much. No one likes me too much. No one likes me much. No one likes me. People hate me. Uh, yeah, that's okay. You know, no one needs to feel bad for me. I'm the guy saying annoying, condescending, mean things about NASCAR. I don't need anyone to like me. I'm just trying to help people. See you around.